Welcome to Leading Live by Leading with Success. This is a talk session on leadership, well-being, and digital learning. I'm Bonnie Factor, founder of Leading with Success. I'm Randy Panganiban, a training consultant from uh, Leading with Success. And we are your host. Today's episode of Leading Live is in partnership with ValuePod Productions. And for today's episode, we've invited the founder of Up Up App, and he has been scaling and growing Up Up uh, in Southeast Asia and is currently in Vietnam in Ho Chi Minh as we speak. So we are streaming live from Manila and Ho Chi Minh, Vietnam at the same time right now. Let's all welcome Paul Espinas. Welcome, Paul. Hello, Miss Bonnie. Welcome, Hello, Sir Randy. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me first and foremost. You two look great. Um, this is my second webinar for the day, um, and as you said, I'm here in Ho Chi Minh City, so thank you very much for having me today. Hello to everyone who's watching this live. Thank you for um, deciding to, to spend your Saturday afternoon with us. Thank you. Yes, it's a great Saturday afternoon uh, and the last Saturday of June. All right. Oh. And yes, it is. We're, you know, it's mid-year, and we're going over to the, you know, the second, second half of the year. Mm. I know. Oh, wow. 2020. You're over soon. <laughs> Great news 2021. Okay. All right. So, Paul, uh, can you introduce yourself for all our audience and those who are going to watch the replay? All right. So, um, I'm here right now in Ho Chi Minh City. So, as Ms. Boni said, I'm running Up Up Technologies. We are actually a tech um, company that uh, aims to improve employee experience um, and well-being with the use of innovation and technology. So, we create mobile apps, websites, and different platforms to really facilitate um, improving experiences of people in the workplace. Uh, we are currently present in a couple of um, countries in Southeast Asia and in Dubai and in France. So. Um, yeah, that's what we do. Excited to be here. Thank you, Paul. And let's go right straight ahead to what leading with success is all about. It's all about leaders. And we'd like to know our first question is for you. What makes a great leader? Um, leadership for me is an evolving definition. I feel like just like every other um, definitions we have in life, it changes as we get more experiences, as we engage with more people and different stakeholders. Um, I started so being a leader from you know a student um, organization, moving towards managing a team, and now managing a company. Uh, and different stakeholders. So initially, when I first opened the company, I thought a great leader is a great chess player, you know, strategy. knowing, yeah, strategy, knowing when to move your pawn, your rook, your, um, and saving the queen, most importantly. Um, but then uh, recently, when all things, all these things happened, I realized that, you know, a leader is actually a great um, puzzle player with zero expectations on 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 you know the ending just enjoying really putting the puzzles together um, and i feel like a leadership on in my perspective is you know having the internal team in place but at the same time taking into consideration outside factors and i think a lot of leaders didn't really see what's coming so um i think th this is where i'm coming from in terms of my definition of what a good leader is a good puzzle player a good puzzle there. I love that. Just enjoying putting the puzzle pieces together, no expectations. 
that's an amazing definition. I love that so much. All right, let's go to, well, I, my next question is all about, you know, all digital. Remember when there was a time when we knock on HR store, we knock on the CEO store and say, we have a digital offering and everyone say, ah, no, not really. We're not really ready for digital right now. We don't really need digital at the moment. You know, we're happy with live events, we're training. We really need the personal interaction. And then COVID happened. And we're all forced inside our homes. And now we're all forced to go into full digital training. Everything needs to be fully digital. You know, what a time. What a time to live in this time. You know, when we were knocking on all the company store and we're saying, can we, you know, can we digital, can we do a digital transformation of your company? And they would say, no, not really needed right now. And then COVID happened. And now everything is digital. And I, I started online training in 2017. And Randy over here is also our online training. Um, he has been tapped uh, to, you know, to do online training for across the country for teachers, right? And you are our expert in Southeast Asia for digital training with Up Up App. So can you tell us about that experience where we're all forced now due to the pandemic, especially in the leadership, the HR field, the CEOs and the HRs that you talk to? How do they feel now about digital training? Right. A quick background about um, the, the company. I, I was handling the uh, like a job portal here in Vietnam. So we're basically juggling 80,000 companies on the platform. You have 8 million um, job seekers coming in the platform, applying jobs on a regular basis. And I was handling the marketing department there, really onboarding, you know, applicants online and then also people making companies, you know, post jobs online. It was taken in the recruitment industry. It was normal. Um, 2010s, 2017, it's, it's a normal practice. Um, but then when we started asking our um, uh, key accounts, they were, uh, we were asking, what is, what is the biggest um, pain point for you now in terms of, you know, people management, in terms of human resources? They, they, the, the most common demand was employee engagement. Because back then there was a you know the starting of you know influx of millennials coming into the workplace. The mentality is different. The behavior is very Twitter. Um, so after five years in the company, I thought you know what I I I'm one of them. I'm one of the millennials. So I'm 31 years old, and I felt like I need to do something to address this change in behavior in in the workplace. So I decided to open up up technologies with the aim of, you know, making our experiences in the office much better um, as professionals. But when we started um, running the business, as you said, we started knocking on companies' doors, um, and they were like, "Why do we need a uh, remote work management platform?" Yeah. I'm like. But we're okay, like, right? So we had a lot of no's, but we also had a lot of big yeses. We had insurances, we had biggest banks. These are companies who knew what was coming. These were the companies who had a team who are only focused on future-proofing their processes and their systems. So we had big yeses, but we had a lot of no's, a lot of no's. And then when the lockdown happened, we get a, a lot of callbacks and say, hey, Paul, now we are ready to talk. Um, so for us internally, we didn't have you know, a shock in terms of the, the, the processes, but 
um, our clients, it was it was a difficult two years to position the value of digitizing, yeah, management and training. Oh, that's a lot of years, two years. So uh, yes. I guess you're right, yeah. Uh, when you start a business, you really need to work on it for two years. You don't give up on the yeah on the first six months. So. What makes an amazing digital learning experience? Um, a digital learning experience for me is like every experience um, that we that we create. So I, my background is marketing, as I mentioned earlier. So usually we map out the brand experience from creating the visuals all the way to where these visuals will be shown, etc. It's very similar with um, creating an, an, an immersive effective and engaging digital learning experience. But first and foremost, it always begins with setting the right objectives. Um, in our case, most importantly, because we're working with companies, we need to, to validate the return on investment. I always, yes, I always tell my team, we are working with four stakeholders. You're working with the business owners and the CEOs. You're working with the HR directors, the team leaders, and then of course the employees. Each person has different pain point, but the decision maker's pain point or key um, demand is what is my return on investment for that training initiative? It's either in person or is it in digital, but return on investment. So that's the first thing that we make sure is in place. And then we map it out, okay? Based on that objective, based on that return on investment, what are the objectives for the training and development? And then we pinpoint how to make each touch point each moment, as we call it, um, interesting, engaging, and most importantly, effective that it will contribute to the end goal of the, the, the training program. I like so, that. Yeah, nice. Ahead, so since, since we're talking about digital learning, right? So here in the Philippines, and as you know, the, the government has their own uh, plans in terms of digital learning. But in a sense, I can feel that there's a sense of hesitance uh, around the country on are we ready yet and can can you share something about that paul um readiness comes in different fronts um i think um, a very good friend of mine is consulting um adb um and then when they do um red readiness assessment there they of course identify different stakeholders is it the parents is it the kids is it the the, the faculty of the schools is it the the, the school management maybe. Right, and that also technology is a, is a huge factor on, on that side of things. But the, uh, first, let me commend the, the government for finally having this initiative and saying we have to do this. That is a big step. Um, whether we recognize that or not, it is worth noting that the government is saying it's about time that we plan ahead on either blended learning or digital learning side of things. So um, going back to the question, I think that the key there is, is identifying all the stakeholders. As I said, a leader is a puzzle player. So you, you won't be able to put the puzzles together if you don't know the pieces, right? So really looking into that piece and where that fits in. What's the pain point of a parent? What's the pain point of the, the, the student? And I, yeah, and I think working together, the private sector, I'm calling all people who are working in the private sector, the government, the public sector, and of course the academe to work together and address these pain points. This, it's very important that knowing each of the stakeholders and addressing them separately and putting them together will have an effective distance learning program for Filipinos nationwide. Pain points. Yeah, that's that's one of the parts of the trainings that I do actually. Mm -hmm. 
I'm yeah. glad that I, <laughs> I'm glad that I answered that correctly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so and you also said that a good digital learning experience always starts with why, right? Mm-hmm. Start with why. Start with what are your objectives so that you can meet your end goals and. For a CEO, the pain point is, well, what is my return on this investment? Yes. So if you want to offer any training for your company, and thank you for that. So now we know at Leading with Success, we will now ask, what will be the return of investment, right, Randy? If we present right. our training to the CEOs and the HR heads and procurement. So like what we said, if that's what you said, you know, what's the first step in creating a digital learning experience can you tell me about an experience uh in in vietnam how you how you you know you grounded your roots in southeast asia because i know i know you're i know you're filipino <laughs> but then you're now all over southeast asia as a founder you were were able to manage to grow and scale up 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 in two years time across southeast asia and you have a lot you have employees that are not filipinos can you tell us all about that because that is highly interesting for everyone who wants to be leaders for everyone who wants to expand through southeast asia um there are a couple of things needed to be considered first and foremost the legalities of the the structure of the organization in vietnam for example there's only a number of foreign um, employees that you can have compared to there's the a quota. There's a yes quota. yes so that of course always check the legal side of things i'm i'm a marketer so i'm usually i'm the opposite side of the ring but i, I learned running a business that the legal side of things has to be first and foremost considered um number two then you jump into your financial Um, goals. What are your financial goals? What is your vision for the company before really putting in a team all together? Um, our strategy was um, for for us. It's it's a it's a business to business initially um, platform. So really knowing uh, which market you're, you're you're working with. For example, we are we have a couple of apps. Our learning app, for example, focuses only on training and development for companies for adult learners. We don't want to go into the you know teaching kids etc. That needs a complete different approach um, in terms of features, design, um, and user flows. Um, but for other adult learners, this is where we are actually um, focusing. So uh, going back to how I I put this team together. Uh, number one is to just really keep talking about your vision because you're gonna attract people who are who are interested with that vision. And for me, yeah, more than the more than the skill sets, more than the skill sets, the most most important part for me are two things: is um, do they believe in the vision of the company, and number two, can they work with me? I'm a complicated character, so I. <laughs> And, yeah. Yes. So yes. Cool. Yes. That's why I always wear plain to balance that character. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, do they believe in the vision? Can they handle working with me? And do they have the technical skill sets that can um, really put the, the 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 product out there um, that's that, that's going to be ready for for the market to consume? I like so that. Talk- so, yeah. yeah. Keep talking about your vision, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Go ahead. Then. So since we're talking about leadership and digital training, so do you really need to be a leader for you to do effective digital uh, digital learning? And as a second part of a question, 
what what are the skills that you need to have for you to to provide effective learning because right right here in the philippines it's a mixed bag we have the millennials who knows all about technology and we have the a little older uh people that need to do the digital learning that's <laughs> I'm not gonna say I might get in trouble. <laughs> so like, like the technologically challenged in a sense. So how do you balance that? Yeah. So yeah, so, so Paul, how do you balance that to provide that digital learning and to provide that leadership across the screen to provide right. that? I think um, first and foremost, for anything um, we do, we always need to have a, a leader somewhere there um that's the first point the second point is not because you're good at doing something that you can be a trainer it's a different skill sets okay? okay you can be uh you can be a mentor if you're very good at it but you can never coach you can it doesn't mean necessarily that you can coach or you can teach it's a skill um and then number three to address that in terms of you know narrowing the gap i think the best way to put it is really highlighting the three types of negotiation i always teach this to my sales um the people that i mentor on the sales and marketing side of things there are three types of negotiation the first one is soft negotiation you're trying your end goal is to save a relationship so you don't push hard you was like ah okay that's very nice paul ah, okay, paul. okay so your approach is very soft because your end goal is to save the relationship Right. The second type of um, of negotiation is hard negotiation. This is when I come here to win. I'm in a court. So hard here's sell. my case. Hard. Yeah, it's a hard <laughs> negotiation, right? But uh, the third type of negotiation where where it is powerful, and this is where we can bridge your um, tech savvy and young at hearts together. Um, <laughs> is it's a, friend, are you the one the young at heart? <laughs> I'm, I'm in between. Randy, is the younger one in this? Oh, you know, in this. <laughs> I know. I'm, in my, I'm in my 30s. I'm in my 30s, so I'm not in the young side. Me too. <laughs> yeah. But we are 30s. Can we? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, so the third type of negotiation, I think, is the best way to approach this when, when bridging two um, generations and with different behaviors. Um, it's really value-driven negotiation. So you say, okay, the power of in-house training, the power of classroom setup is A, B, C, right? The power of digital um, training is A, B, C. Um, and position those two and how you can say, all right, what is the type of setup that we can actually harness both, um, both of the strengths of different platforms? I'll give you one very good example. Richard Branson, for example. Yeah. He's a he's a you know like this motivational speaker. So how does the biggest challenge was he can't do all this thousand packs stadium motivation um, uh, talks. So what he did was he just really set up the camera um, in a way that his movements are still captured. His um, he can, is standing. He's not sitting down. Um, there are different panning. He has a person who basically shifts camera angle when he tickles his, um, you know, certain parts of his hand and really transform that energy into the, into the uh, virtual uh, space. So I guess going back to the question, it's really going into that um, value-driven negotiation so that we can first and foremost not offend anyone because once you offend anyone, negotiation is done. 
right? Yeah. So focus on the value. Let's say, okay, with your approach, this is the good part. With 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 this new trend, these are the good part. And look, look, we have the same goal to make learning effective um, and to reach as many people as possible given the circumstance that we have. So go back to that. I like that. Yes. Me too. I learned so much. <laughs> so now I need to undergo negotiation skills with you. <laughs> Next episode. That's <laughs> one on one by Paul. How do you negotiate? Uh, that's amazing, Paul. Uh, yeah, earlier I'm still interested about how you were able to grow into Southeast Asia. Like I said, you're in Vietnam right now. I want to grow across Southeast Asia and bring leading with success as a global brand as well. So can you tell us more about that journey? You said it's more on the uh, documentation side, the legal side, financial side. Mm. Uh, can you tell us more, especially about the culture? Mm. All right. So um, approach first. So because we were a startup, right? So I capitalized on that. I capitalized on the story. I am a marketer. So as a brand, what's your story? We're a small startup built here in, you know, um, in Ho Chi Minh City. How are you going to capitalize on that story? And how do you want that story of the brand unfold? So for us, if you're operating as a tech startup, it's very trendy in the last two years to go into, you know, startup competitions um, to just really be heard by the community. All right. So we competed, competed in Turkey. We competed in... Um, Right, we reached Istanbul. We were chosen yeah. as the top startup in in in, in Asia to represent right. Asia, Korea, Thailand, Vietnam, um, Singapore. Uh, we kept it. It's part of our storytelling approach. And by then, um, we we started attracting people who are. Um, like-minded who believe in what we do and then we got suddenly emails and contact and say hey why don't you come to Thailand for our program so we're able to join a, a six-month program in Thailand and build a, an, an office there um, wow. yeah. nice. so that's in a very operational um, uh, uh, yeah pain yeah. point right um, in terms of adjustments language is something that sometimes us Filipinos we take for granted because our English proficiency is very good um, but really, when operating in countries where English proficiency is not that good, something that you should really consider. Having a local staff is very, very important. Um, I like that. I like that right? strategy. Yeah, and the number two is also the power of having a good representative in the country. Right? Not you don't have to be the face of the of the the organization all the time. Um, know when is the time for you to be in front and when is the time for you to put your partner to be there um and and so on so, yeah um and 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 yeah i think it's it's really going back to how do you want your brand to unfold and convert that story into operational financial and business moves so that you achieve eventually you know your your your, your business objectives mm, okay you're taking notes randy <laughs> yes, of course Oh yeah, and of course work with us because we're already replay. present in different, uh, no, <laughs> in different countries. Um, no, I love it. I love it. So, um, so it kind of grew. So you're saying that you joined startup competitions. You were able to be you, you know, across Southeast Asia, get to be known by the countries because you've joined these startup competitions and. In Thailand, you said you entered an incubation. Is that yes. what was the incubation program or the? Also, 
was the so, name of it? Um, I'll give you a very good story. I think so. If people from the government in the Philippines is watching, please learn from what the Thai government is doing. Yeah. Two years ago, they invited yeah. me to talk to um, Big Bang Thailand. It's basically organized by the Ministry of Information. Um, and the initiative of Thailand is Industry 4.0, making Thailand the tech hub of Southeast Asia. So if, if you go back very quickly on the history of their government initiative, Industry 1.0, they said, we want to be, one of, to be sustainable with our rice. Eventually they become one of the biggest rice exporters in the world. Industry um, 2.0 for them was, you know what, let's do our manufacturing in within the, the, the country. We don't have to import cars, etc. They have their own car brand in Thailand. I know. Yeah. The third is, they said, Industry 3.0, we want to be um, sustainable. We need to use our um, islands as, a, as a, a source of income. The Industry 3.0 is making Thailand a tourism hub. And eventually, they become the most visited um, uh, tourist destinations in the world. So they've always been very, very successful in these three initiatives. The fourth initiative two years ago was to convert them into Industry 4.0 to become the tech hub of, of Southeast Asia. Um, so what they did was they, they told the biggest Thai conglomerates, part of this initiative, the private sector has to do their parts. You need to find the best startups in the region and bring them to Thailand. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so I yeah. Go, go I've, yeah, I've been to True Digital Thailand and it's amazing. It's like mm. this, this whole, it's like Silicon Valley, you know. We're building the Silicon Valley here. You can live here, you can play here, you can, as long as you create your startup here. And it's amazing. So yeah. Google is there. So, but still, you know, nothing beats Singapore when it comes to tech and startup. It's like, I worked in Singapore. <laughs> right? And so it, it feels like if you, if you create a company in Singapore or a startup and you fail and you're, you know, you're a Singapore nationality, it's your fault already because all of the support has been given to you. Right. There's financial, there's mentoring, there's the space, there's the uh, government requirements are so easy. Um, why didn't you build it in Singapore? Paul? Our what main office is actually in Singapore, ma'am. Ah, mm, nice. so you really, it's really the hub, that's right. And then you moved to Hodgkin for the office um, because... We branch out different offices because I have experience here working with HR directors. I have very good relationship with you know the HR directors of the biggest companies here yes. based on my um, job as a marketing director for the recruitment portal. Um, so we capitalized on that. Okay, so that's how. I probably have asked you this before in one of our discussions. And you know I still like asking that again. Because I would want to live in Vietnam. <laughs> it's a dream ever since I've, I've, you know, I've been there. It's like, it's like it feels like old Manila without the BPOs yet. Mm. <laughs> right? Oh, no. But now the skyrides are going, and that tourism is such a boom. And I love that they were able to contain COVID as fast as they can. Yeah. So yeah. we have three minutes left. Uh, I'd like to ask Randy if he has one final question for you, a follow-up question from Randy. Um, yeah, so so maybe the, the, the final question, Paul, right? So just to close, what can you tell uh, the people who are hesitant to do digital learning as well as, in a sense, leadership as well in, in this time of, of the pandemic in, uh, amidst of it? Because, again, uh, here in the Philippines, 
there are a lot of limitations there the connectivity the equipment etc but what will you tell them for them to be encouraged to be uh in a sense to, to think of it as a positive way from a digital learning perspective all right so i i address i always ask who's my audience so let me talk to the um the, the practitioners um it's i know that we have um, operations in place and it's okay to keep them because of convenience but sometimes change is uncomfortable but it doesn't mean that it's for worse sometimes it is for better so keep an open mind right that's first um for 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 um for the government um it's a good job that there's finally a mandate to put this into place but um let's consider every stakeholder involved. There are different types of households out there. There are some tech savvy parents. There are non-tech savvy parents. So how are we gonna address them? My parents are farmers from the Philippines. I grew up in a small island called Masbate. Please put them into consideration, number two. Um, number three, and my last message to those who are viewing, to the leaders. I know the last couple of months was terrible, mm -hmm. but I want to remind all of you that you are you are amazing people. You opened opportunities to so many people, whether they they thank you or they forget about you. Remember that you're opening opportunities. You've changed lives. And if you're watching this, you've survived it. You're gonna survive the next couple of months. Congratulations for making it this far. The next couple of months, it's just gonna get better. So keep going. Yeah, I love that Paul. Yes. That is essentially a pep talk and a motivation talk for me because this is now my personal life update before we say goodbye. I am moving. <laughs> I am moving homes. So I'm going back uh, to Vico Soto <laughs> by July 1. <laughs> yes, hi Vico Soto. Yes, hi there. <laughs> and because of that, uh, I will not, I may be off the air and off social media for a few weeks until I can fix, you know, my home stop arrangement. And I am, I am leaving, leading live with the hosting uh, skills of Randy Pahaniban. So Randy, <laughs> as the main host of episode four, are you ready to entice them who is our next guest who is very special as well for episode four who is it nga ba? i forgot to wait huh? <laughs> <laughs> i'll check my notes right now but hi eric if you're watching uh, eric. yes eric. Eric for um, we have Eric Del Castillo as our special guest for episode four. He is the HR head for Nissan for the Philippines, and we're very excited to talk about leadership with him. And with that, we now uh, complete our 30-minute live show for leading live together with Paul Espinas, the founder of Up Up Up. We would like to thank our uh, live stream sponsor. Wow, we now have a live stream sponsor for this episode, and our partner is ValuePod Productions. So, thank you, ValuePod. Thank you, ValuePod. Together with Paul, Randy, and me, I'm Bonnie. Uh, we're saying goodbye for now, and Randy will be back on July 4 as the main host of Leading Live before I come back again. Uh, as as the two of us co-hosting, as soon as I get all my Settled. experiences, yes. As as <laughs> so, 
if they say in the comments, yay, go, go, Randy. And Ida says, great. All right. So Randy is now the main host for next week. And thank you again, Paul. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Paul. For thank you, thank for, you for watching, everybody. Yes, and we're watching on the replay. Thank you, everyone. And we say, have a great, happy weekend. Happy Evan, weekend. Happy thank weekend, you so everybody. Much. And yet already full of wisdom. More power to you. All right. Bye, thank everyone. You. Happy weekend.